The Solo Shot is a two-player Star Wars Force and Destiny game featuring Angela and Billy. In this Season 2 episode, Castian is desperate to find a cure for the source of his poisoning. Finding himself without allies, Castian takes a chance going back to his home planet to find aid. Castian makes a desperate race home to the only doctor he trusts to treat his mysterious ailment. As he's plagued by hallucinations of what has been, and what could be, a rare galactic phenomenon keeps him pinned in place with unwelcome new friends. The journey to Lamarad takes a little more than a week. Laris plots a course using the old Corellian run. It's a branch that is still in use, but mostly by people that need to stay off the Empire's radar, just like you guys. Especially important for Laris to stay off their radar because her captain is not doing well at all. Castian, over the course of the week, you get progressively sicker and weaker. You have periods where you black out complete missing time. Your hand is constantly throbbing in time with your heartbeat. And your heartbeat is sometimes racing, and your heartbeat is sometimes extremely slow. Laris does what she can with the limited medical supplies on the ship, but at this point, it's impossible to tell, since you don't know exactly what's causing it or, or anything, it's impossible to tell what is coming from your hand, what might be spice withdrawal, or any other number of symptoms. By the fourth day, Castian wakes up with the vibral knife in his hand, staring at Laris as she pilots the ship. He shakes his head, drops the vibral knife with a clatter, which alerts Laris that he had been sneaking up on her. And he says, get the binders, now. Of course, sir. We go to where we usually keep our bounties, and Castian steps in and has her bind his hands. Are we almost there? How, how, how long do we have? Approximately three days, sir. Will we be there before the conjunction? According to the last star charts we have, yes. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm sorry, Laris. Sir? I, <laughs> I think this is a fool's gambit. I think I really messed up. I messed up a lot of things with us. I messed up a lot with you. I'm sorry for taking you from the Empire. It's my fault. And with that, he just grabs a blanket and just rolls over on his side and just starts shivering. Laris watches for a moment, her face impassive, almost that uncanny valley way that she can hold herself still, the way that you can tell, even if her head were entirely covered, that this woman is not entirely human. And she stares for a moment, and she turns on her heel, putting up the force field, locking you inside. <laughs> and three days later, the howling Gundark drops out of hyperspace in the Lamarid system. This is a system of seven planets, but only one is inhabited, which is, of course, the planet of Lamarad. The conjunction is about to take place. As the Howling Gundark traverses through the system, you see two of these planets of Lamarek and Lamareb, which are obviously coming much closer together than planets ever normally do. On a galactic scale, when planets get this close, usually it means that a catastrophe is about to strike. But for millennia, these two planets come close enough together that their magnetic poles essentially act as magnets do. And when they get too close, they begin to repel each other. And so for 14 hours, 
every 14 years, these two planets come just close enough together before being pushed apart, averting calamity. And as these planets come together, communications in the system become scrambled. You're still able to do planetary communications on Lama Red, but anything beyond the planet first becomes difficult as the conjunction approaches, and then for those 14 hours, is impossible. Castian uh, tries his communicator a few times, but we're getting close to Lama Red, so it kind of fizzles out at first. It's very staticky, but Laris gets enough information to know to come get me. Yes. And she opens up the door, and I walk out shivering. We're almost there, right? Yes, I'm attempting to contact the landing port. We're not landing on the port. There's beaches. We will land on the beach. With the conjunction, the sensors are going haywired as well. We should be able to land on the beach undetected, hopefully. Give me a leadership roll. I'm going to give you a boost die because you are, of course, her commanding officer. And your difficulty is going to be two purple. A one success, but four threats. All right. Of course, sir, I'll begin the scans now. Castian nods, and instead of going back into his cell, he does follow her, and he sits down in the co-pilot chair, and it, it looks like he's trying to meditate. But once again, when the going gets tough, Castian reverts back to the Jedi ways and tries this meditation thing, which he's so bad at. And just a few minutes later, you hear and feel the ship begin its landing protocols. There is, of course, a lot of turbulence as you enter through the atmosphere, and then through the window, if you open your eyes, Castian, you can see the familiar sky and trees and beaches of Lamored. Welcome home, Castian. Laris is aiming directly for a beach on the second continent, the smaller of the two continents, the one that is more colonized by the Mon Calamari and other species. There is a native species on Lamored, but they are mostly confined to the larger northern continent. How close are we from little Mon Cal if we land? Approximately 15 minutes by speeder, sir. Perfect. And she sets the ship down. Sir? Yes? While initial scans did show that this beach was uninhabited... Scans now show that there are life forms on the beach. I look outside the window to see if I can spot them. You see a collection of four people, two Mon Calamari and two humans. They are all wearing uniforms that look vaguely familiar. And after a moment, you place them as Lamared security uniforms. I take it during the landing procedure, something went wrong with the gundark, like always, yes? Nothing that- Could you make it look like something broke? I could attempt to, sir. Please do. And she is going to make a mechanics roll. I am going, so that I can start spending some of these destiny points that I have, I'm flipping one to upgrade her difficulty. But she makes it with a triumph. With that triumph? With a trained eye, it looks like it's messed up, but it's one of those things that she can easily fix with a... It's totally cosmetic. Yeah, it's cosmetic. The engines. It looked like we had a fluctuation with the engines that was caused by the magnetic... Ionization of the atmosphere. The ionization of the atmosphere. So, absolutely. It looks like our engines uh, are finicky, which is my character is going to use as why we landed on the beach, because mm -hmm. those are official uniforms. Lower the ramp. I'll talk to them. Sir, is that for the best? Would you like to talk to them? Lowering the ramp. E and Bone are moving towards the ramp. And the ramp lowers, and you see the collection of four people on the beach. The two Mon Calamari, one has deep red skin, the other has bright orange skin, both very mottled. They look to be young adults, 
probably not much older than you. The two humans, they are also, they're in their upper 20s, so they are older than the Mon Calamari, but the insignia on their chests indicates that they are actually a lower rank than the Mon Calamari security forces. The humans are a man and a woman. The man is of average height, slim build, has tanned skin and shaggy hair with a hint of facial hair. The woman is short and stocky and blonde. Castian puts on a lazy grin, doesn't even show teeth, and walks down the ramp holding up a hand. You're trying to portray confidence, health, happiness, right? Yes. That's a lie. Yes, it is. So I'm going to need you to make me a deception check versus three reds and a purple. One failure, one despair, two threats. <laughs> Castian holds up a hand, says, hello there. And immediately he stops, eyes bulging a little bit, turns and throws up. And then he gets dizzy and he stumbles on the ramp a little bit, falls sideways off the ramp onto probably where he puked, lands on the sand, and then he just... I guess we could say he passes out, yes? The last thing you hear is a combination of the security officer's voices, obviously in a bit of panic, and Bone rolling down the ramp, beeping in alarm. Castian, Cerise has slid to the opposite side of the bench. She grabs the door, gives you one more look of just pure loathing before she pushes the door open and rolls to the cobblestone ground directly in front of the security speeders. No! Castian spins this craft around, which is both fast and furious, and holds out a hand. But then he sort of smiles and lowers his hand. Cerise screams and then gets hit by the speeder. You hear beeping, not from bone, from medical equipment. You hear the faint hum of a medical droid bustling back and forth. And as you open your eyes, all you see is white. Cerise! (laughs) Castian immediately grabs his hand in pain. (laughs) The, The medical droid emits a few beeps that seems to summon somebody as a moment later, a human woman steps into the room. A very familiar one. This is an older woman. She's probably close to what age your parents would have been. She has dark hair that is pulled back severely. Unlike the last time you saw her, there is a streak of gray in her temple. She's dressed conservatively with a doctor's coat. It is Anami Gartan. Anami! Anami! Castian sits up. You're awake. We weren't sure if that would happen. She's keeping a noticeable distance. She's entered the room, but she hasn't stepped past the doorway. It's, uh... It's Castian. Sire. You didn't report my appearance, did you? Did you? No. There's- Give me a perception roll. This is versus two red, and I'm giving you a setback die for how sick you are. One advantage. She definitely hesitated before she said no, but you don't know what that means in your fevered state. I need your help. I'm- I'm sick. Yes. Yes, that was- very obvious to all of us when you made your dramatic entrance. Where's my, where's my mom? Where's my dad? Castian, we had this discussion several years ago. Castian, do you not remember the last time you came to visit Lamared? I wanted to see them. 
I wanted to see them, and I was with... Was with Tremaine. No, no, you didn't. Did you tell Tremaine I was here? Tell me you didn't tell Tremaine. I can't go back. And Cassian stumbles to his feet. You try to stumble to your feet, but you are hooked up to several machines. Uh. So you literally have needles in your arm holding you back. And actually, there's one arm that has fewer things connected to it. And there's binders connecting you to the hospital bed. Castian, it's very important that you stay calm. Castian, I do not wish to drug you. I do not know what sort of interactions may occur. But if I need to, I will. I need Laris. I need Laris. Laris. Where's Laris? Do you mean... There, we have not met anyone named Laris. <laughs> She's cybernetic. She has a headband. She introduced herself as Jane. Her name's Jane. I need Jane. Castian's just going with it. Totally realizing he probably just gave that up. But in his state, he just... It's so confusing. Everything's very confusing. Of course. She's waiting outside. I wish to perform one more scan before we bring anyone else in. Did I kill them? Did I kill my parents? I see it in my head. I see it every day. I say, I see it every night this week. It's my fault, isn't it? They're dead. I killed them. Killed them. Anami's professional demeanor finally beginning to crack. She'd been holding herself extremely rigid, and her shoulders fall, and she begins to relax as she begins to connect with you as a patient in extreme pain. No, Castian. It was never your fault. Do they miss me? They did. They spoke of you every day. I miss them every day. Just lie back. Let me do the scan. Castian lies back, and he stares up at the ceiling. And Anami brings the medical droid over with her, and they do a full body scan. It's my hand. It hurts so much. It he makes me hurt people. Just like they did. Just like Tremaine. The Empire. I'm always just a tool. I'm always just a slave to something. Castian turns the, his head away dramatically. Do you know what caused your hands to be like this? Kita. Kita. No. No, it wasn't Kita. It was a blade. It was a... It was a ritualistic blade. I cut my finger on it. And then I started noticing the veins coming from where I pricked it. And then it just kept on growing. I could silence it with Blue Echo. But that doesn't work, I don't think, anymore. You were wearing a glove when you came in. When was the last time you looked at your hand? I had to be careful. I did not want Tremaine to know, so I had to do it covertly. I had a medical droid that ran some scans. It said something about degradation, that my hand seemed to be getting older, faster, decaying, but it had no idea. I had to dismantle the droid afterwards and wipe its memory, but it suggested a painkiller. It suggested amputation as a solution, if nothing else worked. It, it did not know what I was inflicted with. I wish I had more answers for you. I've never seen anything like this. Cut it off. Cut off my hand. Cut off my hand. Take it. I don't want it anymore. Castian, this is spread beyond your hand. Nom, nom. Help me. I will do everything I can. The scans show that whatever is affecting your hand, it may have started with a physiological basis, but it has spread to be a neurological disorder as well. Your brain shows constant hyperactivity in the areas controlled 
by fear and anger. Gastian just nods his head. It got worse the more I killed. It fed off that it felt like. It wanted me to do it, but then I felt good when I did it. And he kind of just rolls over, either with disgust for himself or in pain. I can give you some painkillers. Blue Echo? No, we don't deal in such unregulated treatments here. Then why am I... Of course. Please, whatever you can give me. And she gives the medical droid some instructions, and after a minute you feel the droid injecting something into your arm. It takes the edge off, but it does not address the core pain, of course. Thank you. Would you like your friend now? Yes. Yes, bring Jane. Yes. I will summon Jane. And she steps outside, and a minute later, both Laris and Bone come into your room. Sir, you are well? I don't think so, but they're at least doing scans on me. The conjunction has started? Yes. How long do we have until it ends? Approximately 12 hours. And we arrived, uh... Three hours ago. So there was an hour of communication that they might have been able to send something. Limited communication, but yes. That's fine. That's fine. You did good. I slipped up. I didn't know where I was. I called your name. So they know your name, Jane. Did you tell them that we'd landed because out of a state of emergency? When you collapsed in front of the security team, there were no further questions about our choice of landing. Is it still there? Yes. Okay. Is there anything else, sir? Keep an eye out on anyone watching us. Just keep an eye open. Two of the security officers from the initial security team have stayed here at the clinic. Just keep an eye out for anyone else, uh, any other ships that land. I know it's not the easiest system to traverse during the conjunction, but it is possible. Yes, sir. Thank you. Both of you should leave. If that is your order, sir. Yes. You have your orders, I have mine. Thank you. Yes, sir. Both Laris and Bone turn around and leave. And Castian just takes a seat and just rubs at his face as he looks around the medical office. It's a small room. It's set up to be a double room, even though it's so small. There is a divider in the middle and another bed, but that bed is empty at the moment. Am I still bound? Yes. Castian, he's looking around and he spots a large mirror, most likely a double-sided window. He knows what this is. And he's staring at it for a second. And then he cants his head as he hears someone talking behind him, uh, calling his name. Castian. Castian turns around and he spots a little Castian. He's drawing on one of the tiles. Uh, something he's allowed to do. He's allowed to pick one tile a day in this room and use his crowns on it to decorate it. And his mother is standing there and she has uh, a plate of brownies. And Castian glowers at her and turns away in a huff. Is that your life day tree? Yes, it's my last life day tree. Why is it your last life day tree? Because life day doesn't happen for Jedis, and you want me to go and be a Jedi. You're going to go on and do many brave and exciting things, my wonderful boy. I don't want to go. Your mother kneels down next to you. The brownies smell so sweet and warm right in front of your face like that. But don't you want to be good? Little Castian looks away. You make me good. And then, almost like a flash, as if there's a glitch in the system, instead of little Castian, it's a grown Castian wearing his Imperial uniform, and he ignites his lightsaber, and Castian 
screams, no, no, and he grabs his head and just clenches his eyes and says, this is not how it happened. This is not how it happened. This is not how it happened. And he opens his eyes again, and he sees that the room is empty, save for a faint outline of crowns on tiles. You're left alone for what you think is probably about an hour. You are slipping in and out of consciousness, in and out of various hallucinations. After a while, Anami Gartan comes back in. This dagger you said that you cut yourself with, was it somehow attuned to the, and she sighs, to the force? Yes. Yes, Niana said Kito is collecting force artifacts, and one was uh, very light, and one was very dark. That was the blade. I, I needed it. I needed it. And I almost won because of it. I almost beat Kida. I'm afraid we just don't have the ability here to treat anything to do with the Force. Then give me, give me something. Give me anything. Lobotomize me. I don't care. There's a healer. They call her a witch. The locals think that she wields magic. Anyone who has ever experienced someone gifted with the Force recognizes that she's not doing parlor tricks. Yes. Yes, where is she? Where is she? She lives alone outside of Little Moncal, in a, a really a, a shack out in the jungle. I want to go there. The security officers will escort you. Will you go with me? My patients here need me. They always needed everyone but me. No, they didn't. They loved me, did they? I don't know anymore. Okay. Yes. Yes. T tell them to take me. Now. I need it. Now. I can't guarantee that she'll be able to help you either. Well, you can't help me, so I need someone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm, no, I'm sorry. It is all right, Castian. I will have them prepare a speeder to take you out there. Thank you. And make sure Jane and Bone are aware. I will. And she leaves, and a um, couple of minutes later, the two human security officers return. All right. Getting escorted by security, this is always very good news for me. The two humans exchange a, a look, and the, the man steps forward. Are you well enough to walk on your own to the speeder? Yes. Just release me. He comes over, and he helps you sit up in the bed. He releases the binder just to clamp it around the other wrist behind your back. Your exploits are well known throughout the galaxy. You don't know who I am. I'm a ghost. There's no records of me. Unless you do know who I am. Who am I? What do the records say about me? You are an Imperial agent. Castian's face drops. You're not taking me back. No. Tremaine's not getting me again, and my character is going to slam his foot into the guy's stomach. All right. So that's going to be a brawl roll. That's just going to be an average difficulty. Uh, one success and three advantages. Cassian screams, Tremaine won't get me back, and he steps back, uh, making the man kind of step forward to grab him, and Cassian slams his forehead into his nose, and then he's turning to make a run for it. With those three advantages, his companion isn't able to, to catch you, so you run out into the hallway. You run out into the hallway, your hands are still bound behind your back. Castian uh, spins around trying to figure out where to go, where the Imperials aren't, because right now he's convinced that the guy is an Imperial. He knew about him being an agent only 
those of the Imperial Order would know that in Castian's mind. So Castian is looking for an exit, anywhere to go, and he is bolting as fast as he can with his arms behind his back. Anami steps out of an office directly in front of the exit when you're just a couple of feet away. I skid to a halt. You said you didn't call them. You said there was no Imperials. You lied. Everything's a lie. There are no Imperials here. They know who you are because I told them. How did you know? You came to visit. You came to visit with a man named Tremaine. A man who is known to be part of the Imperial Intelligence Bureau. With the... Resources of some people that I know, it was possible to make an informed hypothesis about who he was and who that meant you were. And as she finishes that, you hear the sound of a bolter blast from behind you, and you feel yourself receive a stun bolt in your back. And with that, I'm flipping a destiny point, so you fall down stunned. Yeah. Am I out or just stunned? Just stunned. It was a low setting. Yes. It's enough that your your feet were knocked out from under you, the breath was knocked from your chest, but you're still awake. And the two human security guards, of course, the man, is his nose is bleeding, are now standing above you. I won't go back. We are not taking you back. We are taking you to the witch. Dr. Garten, do you have anything that might sedate him? And Anami goes back into her office for a moment, and she comes back out, and she gives you an injection that lets you finally finally slip into sleep. The sky is dark above you. The trees press against you. The air is thick and humid as you run. You're running through this jungle. All you can hear is your own heart beating in your chest, the air being dragged from your lungs as you gasp to take one more breath, one more breath to power you forward. And behind you, you hear the terrifying roar of some kind of creature larger than you. You can hear its teeth smash together. It's coming! Turn around! We have to face it! And Castian's eyes open up. When your eyes open, you are in a shack. There's thatch roof above your head. The walls are made of rough-hewn boards. And hanging everywhere are traditional... Mon Calamari decorations. There are strings of pearls and of shells. You can tell immediately that these are real shells, not the synthetic shells that you saw the last time that you came in through the spaceport for the proper traditional greeting. You're laying down on what feels like a a table, and above your head are hanging plants to dry. There's some seaweed, some different herbs. You smell a fire that's burning with a fragrant wood, so the air is filled with a sweet smoke. Castian tries to sit up, but he's still a little stunned, and he's still a little drugged. But your hands are not bound. Great. He's looking around. He's at least raising his head to look around mm-hmm. to see if there's any security officers, any Imperials, any anybody. As you look around, you see that the fire is a pit in the center of the shack. And standing between you and the fire is a Mon Calamari woman. She's very petite, very small. Uh, You would almost think for a second that it must still be a child. But as she turns around, you can see, no, this is a a full-grown woman, just a very small and slight one. As she turns her head towards you, you see that her skin is is a mottled lavender color. And as she turns around, you see that she is leaning on a cane. 
You're the witch? Yes. I'm dying. <laughs> we all are, aren't we? Well, I'm doing it quicker than most, it seems. They say there's something inside my head that I have an ailment of the force. Hmm. Yes, there is certainly something very troubled inside of you, something out of balance. And she walks towards you, hobbling a bit on her cane. You can see, again, this is a young woman. She has to be just about your age, but she walks with a limp. You blink, and for a moment when you open your eyes again, you see that she has two people helping her walk. But it's not her. It's a little Mon Calabari girl. And the people are your parents helping her back and forth from her hospital bed, from her testing. And you Ugh. blink again, and you see the young woman again in front of you. Lala. She blinks at you. Well, no one has called me that for a long time, Castian. Lala, I have something to tell you. Is that so? Your parents are waiting in the lobby. I'll watch Benji while you go greet them. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was mean of me to do. Yes. And now you're a witch? That is what they have decided to call me. I was unable to be called Jedi, so... You do not want to be called Jedi. Trust me, it ended badly for them. Well, they do say that hindsight is better than foresight. You have the Force. Yes. Of course, they sent their old son away, but not you, Lala. By the time it was known that I had some gifts, there was no Jedi to report me to, and it was very well known that the Emperor wouldn't take kindly to a Mon Calamari Force user, so it was better that I just go and live on my own. Were you here when they died? Yes. I could not help them. I can help so many, but I was not strong enough then. My gifts are in healing, but I was so young, so unformed. Most of my power was spent just keeping me alive still. Well, this has been a stroll through memory lane. I need you to help cure me or kill me. I can't live like this. I don't want to be bad. Well... Good and bad is all a result of our choices. I cannot help you with that, but I may be able to alleviate some of your suffering. I nod my head and just lay back. And she comes over, and she places her hands, which are, of course, somewhat slimy, and she places one on your pulse on your neck and another on your injured hand. You can barely feel her touching your hand. It's more of a pressure that you feel more than any other sensation because the nerves in your hand have decayed so much. And she stands there for a moment, and she closes her eyes, and she begins to hum. And you immediately recognize the song that she is humming as a lullaby, a Mon Calamari lullaby, one that your parents used to sing for you too. And as she hums, you feel for the first time in weeks your strength returning to you. You are fully healed of your wounds. Your strain, however, heals to your max minus two. Castian swallows as he finally feels some semblance of human again. It takes a couple of minutes, but she does finally release you. I sit up? You did it. Well, I'm afraid that what happened to you, I don't understand it. True healing is beyond my capabilities. What do you mean? I'm not healed? I feel fine. I feel great. Look at your hand, Castian. I look down on my hand. You've been wearing your glove 
for the past week, certainly. And so this is the first time that you've really looked at your hand in quite a while. And it's horrific to look at. It's not just the veins that are black. The skin has taken on a grayish pallor. And it looks like there's hardly any muscle or fat. It looks like skin and bones. So I'm not cured. Whatever it was that caused this, it is a power much stronger than I wield. So you fixed what it did, but it's going to come back. I'm afraid so. Whatever it is, it causes a a degradation where we can repair a a certain amount of the damage at any given time, and, and I can make you feel the pain less, but it's going to keep decaying, it's going to keep degrading, so that at a certain point, you won't get back to where you were before. What if we cut off the hand now? It has spread much beyond just your hand, if it ever even really was in your hand. Dr. Gartan told me about the blade, and I believe from my limited interaction with objects that are strong in the Force, that while it may enter into the body through one particular point, it affects the body at a much deeper level. It affects you on the level of the Force, and of course, we have no physical manifestation of the Force to treat. There is nothing to cut out. Casting just kind of a Stares straight ahead at the fire as it crackles. For now, there are things I can continue to research. You should stay here. It Uh, isn't boasting to tell you that there is no one else on Lamared who would be able to help you. And once the conjunction passes, I can get communication out to a wider network. Perhaps someone else out there has heard more. I need to go. I'm running. And I can't just stay in one place. You should at least stay until the conjunction passes. It's dangerous to navigate the system at this point. Castian nods. I agree. How long until the conjunction passes? There is another ten hours. Ten hours, then. I'm tired. I need to... I need to sleep. Before you do, I have something for you. And she hobbles across her little shack. She goes to a shelf that is just stuffed with curios. There's stone carvings, there's wooden bowls, there's shiny stones and shells, and she pulls out from the back, covered in dust, a stuffed bantha. And she hobbles back over, and she tucks the bantha into the crook of your elbow. I took care of him. You you forgot him. Castin doesn't even know how to respond to that. You can sleep now. Thank you. Happy life day. And Castin just drifts off. Castian's eyes snap open, and he sits up, unaware of how long it's been. He pats himself down, trying to find his chronometer, pulls it out, and sees, just judging from the time, how long until the conjunction's over. You've only been asleep for about an hour. Castian rolls his feet off the table and stands up slowly. Is it dark out, light out, what? Yes, it's evening has fallen, and out of the windows of Lala's shack, you can see a little bit of the dancing lights in the sky that you've always been told accompany the conjunction. Since the conjunction only happens once every 14 years, this isn't something that you've ever seen before. The last time it happened, you were off the planet. So looking at you've only heard stories and you'd seen hollows of of what it looks like but of course it's nothing compared to what it looks like in person as the sky is just f- 
filled with shimmering curtains of light in every color of the rainbow. Castian sets the stuffed bantha doll down on the table, and then he stands up and he's walking out. Standing outside are your two security officers. Oh boy. You seem to be doing better, the man says. Quiet I am. How's your nose? It has been better itself. If you are feeling better, would you mind answering some questions? Sure. If Anami says that she trusts you, I suppose I owe her enough. Follow me. And I'm actually walking out towards the beach because Castian has never seen the conjunction. And they want to talk. They can talk on the beach, which gives them plenty of place to run if he <laughs> needs to. But Castian will walk up uh, to the waves and just look up at the sky. This is my first year assigned to Lamared. I've never seen anything like this in all of the galaxy. There's nothing like this in all of the galaxy. But don't let it fool you. It's all a mirage. Lamared is just a, an illusion. Some hope that the galactic civil war isn't taking place. That beauty is as easy to find by just looking up. And you think that even though you can see it with your own eyes, that it must be an illusion. Trust me. Past the conjunction, past all the pretty colors, there's nothing but darkness and the void, all culminating from Coruscant. So what are you? I am security. No, 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 no. Anami said that she knew of Tremaine. She might have been able to get that he was an Imperial officer, but she dug deeper. She asked her friends to dig deeper, and those friends are not just security officers, are they? You're a rebel. I am Jaron. There's nothing I can give you that would be useful. I don't think that is true. We all have things that we can contribute to the galaxy. Uh, the last time I contributed, I did it so poorly that I am now on the run for the rest of my life. What did you do? It is very obvious that you are not here on official empire business oh i'm no longer part of the empire they dubbed me a failure i was caught in a lie and i was sentenced to be tortured and executed i did not want that so i ran and i was lucky enough to get this far so what is your questions do you just want to know about me it is very rare that we have a chance to talk to someone who has had your experiences. So, yes, we just want to know about you. What's your opinion of Jedi, Rebel? I heard you are very sympathetic towards their cause. From what I've read, the Rebel Alliance believes that the Jedi are the still the peacekeepers of society. Do you believe that? I have been in this fight for too long and I have never seen evidence of an actual Jedi surviving. If there were any left, it is a crime against all good people of the galaxy that they do not help now. Well, they shouldn't help. Jedi sold me into slavery, and the only ones that saved me was the Empire. Not your little rebellion. Nothing. But I messed that all up, didn't I? So no, I'm not gonna give you information. I owe you nothing. I owe your cause nothing. Your cause is, uh, is fighting for an old establishment that caused me nothing but pain. I don't care about the Rebellion, and I don't care about the Empire. I hope you both die out and leave little illusions like this alone. The galaxy was better when we were all just separate worlds. He considers what you say for a moment, and he nods. My friend, I wish it were up to me. 
But there are people high above me who would like to talk to you themselves. <laughs> so this is not an invitation. It is an invitation. But it's not going to stay an invitation if I decline. We know from Dr. Gartan that you are a powerful individual in the galaxy, but that does not frighten us. I don't need a blade to stop you. I can do it with my bare hands. And Casty takes a step forward, his hand clenching in anger. As you clench your fist, Jaron holds up a hand and he gives a whistle. And out from the shadows steps the blonde woman and Lala. And the blonde woman is holding a blaster to Lala's head. With saviors like you, no wonder we haven't won the war. Let her go. Are you going to do whatever it is that you're obviously inclined to do? I'll make you a deal. You leave her alone. You leave all of them alone here. Including my ship, my friend, and my droid. You don't get all of us. You get me or you get nothing. That's the deal. That is a good deal. Do you accept it? I do. We have a ship waiting to leave the system as soon as the conjunction ends. If you go back on this deal, if I find out that you're holding blasters to anybody else's heads, I will kill you myself. That's a promise. I assure you. I believe you. I nod my head. He nods as well and lowers his hand, and the woman releases Lala, who stumbles a little bit. She doesn't have her cane. Castian looks towards Lala. I was never good with friends, so take care of Benji for me. I'm nothing but trouble anyways. Go. They won't bother you now. Jaron, I don't think he should leave yet. There's still treatments and and things that I can try to, to stabilize him. I don't know they what- They don't need me alive for long. Come on, Jaron. I know what this is. I don't know if they will be alive for long if they're left alone with you. I look towards Duran. What does he say about that? It's his choice to bring a wild animal on board. Your home is more comfortable than the transport that we have to take us back to the ship, which I'll stay here a few more hours. As you are marching back to the hut, you realize that Lala has, has fallen a bit behind as she is stumbling without the use of her cane. But no, no. You know what? Castian stops, goes back, and helps her. And as you go to help her, the pain in your hand begins again. It's faint at first, but with every step, it grows a little hotter, a little sharper, until when you finally cross the threshold to her shack, it's like a knife lancing through your veins, like fire is shooting through your veins, and you fall to the ground. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Castian stumbles forward and holds his hand in pain, kind of pushing Lala away, and he's just going to remain on his knees, staring straight ahead. The woman who had been threatening Lala, she steps forward to try to pull you up. I am going for her blaster. I'm going to try to get that immediately. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I rolled another despair and a threat. (laughs) A despair and a threat. You immediately feel another blaster against the back of your head. Jaron had actually had his hand on his blaster the entire time, and when you stumbled, he actually drew it immediately, suspecting that this was a trick. You actually feel the tip of the blaster pull away from your head, 
only to then feel the crack of the butt hitting you. Castian collapses to the ground. And as you slump forward, again, the world growing dark, you can just barely make out standing on the other end of the shack, an Athorian, an Athorian woman, sort of iridescent, is standing there. And she takes a few very slow steps forward. Hello, young one. Antonin? You're dead. Yes, I am. Oh, young one. You are in peril if you remain here. Dathomir has put its darkness upon you. It is Dathomir that holds the key to the light. You must return to the light, young one. Castian's eyes roll in the back of his head, and the last thing that the rebels hear is Castian mumble, Madonis, Zathomir system, Zathomir, and he is out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot Star Wars Force and Destiny. Please follow Solo Shot Podcast and Fandible on Twitter, and please share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fanable on iTunes or your podchaser of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to make a donation to help keep our equipment up and running. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.